Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cloud Based Mayhem. Summer has uh, fully arrived. Some big flights going down over in Europe and here in the States, and I'm sure other parts of the world uh, haven't been in the game too much with this house build going on, but getting excited to go to Chelan in a few days for U.S. Nationals. And that's about the only housekeeping I've got this week before we get into the show or some event stuff. Uh, the Xperia is coming up. Always exciting. And then uh, the Dolomite and a bunch of others over in the Alps. So have to keep our eyes on that. The X Lakes Challenge up in uh, Scotland is taking place. I think it's Scotland. Yeah, X Lakes is in Scotland. The Jockeys Neck of the Woods. Uh, that's taking place this weekend. So some exciting things going down. Super excited to watch the X Pier this year. See what happens there. Some big names in that one. And the X Red Rocks is now totally overbooked. Uh, and that's been pretty exciting to get all that put together. So that's scheduled for the end of September. We've got Aaron Duragati and Paul Guschelbauer and Tom Dorlado, Tangi Renault Good, and Patrick Von Cannell, a bunch of legends from the X Alps and other places coming. So that should be a lot of fun to have all that talent on the side of the pond showing us how it's done. And uh, the Red Rocks Wide Open is the uh, uh, another U.S. Nationals event and pre-PWC, which Logan and I are running. And that is uh, filled up real quick right from the beginning. So we've got a few spots we're keeping open for foreign pilots. So keep an eye on that one as well. That's September 10th to the 17th. It should be a lot of fun to go racing in such spectacular country. So fun things happening in the future. Hope you're getting some. This talk I did quite a few months back, uh, still digging through some of the episodes I recorded this winter as I was getting ready for this house build and I wouldn't be able to record nearly as much, which has been true, but is with Leandro Estevam Montoya. I hope I'm saying his name correctly, but uh, Leandro and I had a great talk about Vivi flying down in Brazil. That's not something, you know, we hear about the records all the time and all the great comp flying they've got in Brazil. Brazil's obviously got tons of great flying. And, Lots of amazing pilots, but I hadn't heard too much about Vivi. So Leandro reached out to me and uh, shared with me his website, which is in Portuguese, which I don't speak, so I, I didn't, I, I couldn't find too much there that I could understand. But it was clear that there's a whole group of folks down there uh, getting after it with Vivi. So we had a, a really cool chat about just Vivi flying in Brazil, the possibilities, what's been tackled, what's left down there which is tons and uh, just shared a lot he shared a lot of information about how they do it uh, gear and how it goes down Brazil and he's got a really cool website hikeandfly.com.br with tons of information and that's what they're all about is just sharing it all trying to get more people to come down to Brazil and have cool adventures so that's what this talk's all about having adventures hope you enjoy and hope you're having a great summer Cheers. Leandro, it's good to see your smiling face. I was, I'm excited to have this talk with you because we don't do enough talks with Brazilians. So thanks for reaching out and thanks for telling me about all the hike and fly and bivy stuff you're doing down there. You know, everybody hears Brazil, if they haven't been there and knows about the Sertal and all the records that have happened there over the decades, but we don't know too much about hike and fly. So I'm excited to have this chat with you. 
Amazing, amazing to be part of your show. We follow you in networks and also the show. We heard the show from Samuka and other and Saladini and other Brazilian pilots. We are excited to see as well the participation on Exalp. So it's a pleasure to be here and share a little bit about the hiking fly in Brazil. Yeah. So tell me, where where are you and where is the hike and fly going down? And, you know, Brazil is like the U.S., a huge country. I know you've got tons of fantastic flying mm-hmm. sites. You know, the World Cup's going to be happening in Baixu here in a few days and mm-hmm. a place that looks just amazing. But I've only flown the Sertau. So wh- where are you mm-hmm. and and orient people to the type of flying that, that happens where you are? Um, today I'm based in Atibaia. It's a city near Sao Paulo, around one hour from Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo, you know, it's a big center in, in Brazil. It's not Buenos Aires, it's Sao Paulo. <laughs> the, yes. but the, the point is, we, and here in, in Atibaia, we build, not only me, I'm trying to be here as someone talking by a, a team. We have a team doing this kind of hiking fly in Brazil. It's not all about me, for sure. And uh, Atibaia has a small pole or a small place where there is an, an school, a paragliding school that became specialized on hike and fly. Huh. So the, the professor, he's also uh, training the, uh, the, the students, the new learning paragliding guys to buy hike and fly stuff. We hmm. have a nice place here to hike on a mountain about one hour hiking to have a really nice uh, takeoff, a good local flight zone. And so it's nice. So Atibaia is one of the important places for hiking, flying in Brazil. But for sure, it's not the built, built as one. It's not the most beautiful one. We can do hiking, fly near Sao Paulo, in Espírito Santo, in Baixo Guandu. We just have been there. Uh, we just was there a, a few weeks ago. Amazing place to do hiking, fly and bivouac trips. Mm. The point, the point that we are trying to to show is the scenario of hiking fly began in Brazil around the 2014, 2012. Some guys were doing that, was doing that in 2008, but in the country, the paragliding sport developed uh, together with the hang gliding. Mm. So everyone was flying from nature, uh, from conventional takeoffs, those ones when reached by the car. So we had a lot of mountains, really nice place around 2,400 meters. We don't have really high mountains, but amazing place from our country without being explored by paragliding. Hmm. In this new generation, around 2008, 2012, 2013, began to explore those those mountains. And I was part of this this team, let's say, or this group of pilots doing that. It was really a, a, a pleasure. So what you buy is one place. But you can do it in Baixo Gondu, also Governador Valadares and, and, and Serra da Mantiqueira. It's another spot between Sao Paulo, Rio de Janeiro, Minas. We can go through this place and I could give more details. So is it when, when you mention those places, those are pretty well-known <clears throat> flying sites. Is that because the is it, I, I haven't been mm-hmm. to any of these places. I've only been to the Sertau where it's really, really dry. Are these places mm-hmm. that are pretty jungly? Are they, you know, is it, or can you hike up and, you know, pretty much at the tops of every mountain has a, has a possible launch or is it really treed and you would have to do some work mm-hmm. to create a launch there? Man, you just touched the exactly point. 
those most of the hiking flight places, they are challenge is to find the takeoff place. Okay. And when we are trying to do big adventures, we have to be really aware about each place we could take off because you have to connect those ones. We it's not easy to we cannot just hike up because there is a lot of there are a lot of trees yeah. and we will never find a place to take off. But those places I mentioned, let's say we have really well-known places for flying Brazil at Baixo Bandu, Governador Valadares, etc. In these places, we have a trail, not the conventional road car, yeah. but we have a trail where we can hike up and start the adventure, or start the hike and fly in a conventional, a traditional takeoff. Okay. But beyond those, you can find really nice places beyond Baixo Bandu in the same uh, hill, in the same mountain, let's say, you have another spot to take off and connect for a, a, BV, a BV trip. Uh, we just need to be aware that it will be, uh, uh, let's say, high grass. Sometimes the grass is really high. And sometimes you have really whole rocks. And those are dangerous for the lines. Oh. But you can, but it's, it, but it's possible to find those places and connect and uh, the, this place to, to an adventure. I'm beginning to talk about those very well, very knowing place, very no place because everyone knows about that. But we can. There are another mountains that are amazing to to explore. Do you know what the longest kind of bivy in terms of distance and days has been? Yes, it, it, it was just done by a colleague, a really amazing pilot. He's he's piloting an, an Omega X Alps. His name is. Lucas, and he flew from the top of Espirito Santo until the bottom. He flew for six, his adventure took 16 days doing the adventure. He had two pilots supporting him on the beginning, so they began in three. But two of them has, had no this challenge. They were there just for fun. And Lucas was really for the challenge. And he had the support from his wife. And the distance was, he got... He got really bad conditions, so he had to walk around 430 kilometers, and he flew around 250. So the total Whoa, walk. Oh, that's around. a lot of walking. <laughs> yes, man, it was a lot of walking. Jeez. <laughs> and but this guy, he flew a lot. He's a really amazing pilot, one of the best hiking flying guys here in Brazil for sure. Uh, it, it, more flying than hiking because we have a stronger guys for hiking. But he got his bad luck, bad luck in the weather. So and you so, could, if you had better weather, could you, could you reverse those numbers? Could you fly, you know, 500K and walk 100K or something? Yes, for sure. For sure. Okay. Because he already did uh, uh, more than 150K kilometers in the region flying. And those, that's a good marks for a region, for a Espirito Santo region. Uh, and it could reverse the numbers. The good, the good news regarding flying in Espiritu Santo for hiking, fly, or bivouac adventures are you can connect the the taking the takeoffs. That's wow. uh, yeah, that's that. I think that's simple for someone coming from Europe because you don't have to mind that too much. Of course, you have to have in mind uh, in the adventure where you're going to take off, but you can you can try to take off from anywhere, almost anywhere. Mm. But in Espiritu Santo and and here in Brazil, you have to have those spots in mind. So if you, you, your next takeoff could be around 50 kilometers from you. So you have to do a, at least a, a good flight, 40 kilometers is a good flight for us. 
and uh, hiking 10, uh, 10 kilometers to reach the next point. Okay. If, okay. You, if, you, fly, if you fly just 10, you have to walk 40. There's no Or you have to go back and start again the next day in the same place you began the, the day earlier. Forgive so, my geographical ignorance here, but Espirito Santo no. is one of the states of Brazil? Yes, it's okay. one of the states already in the southeast, just below the Bahia. And in Espirito Santo, you have Baixo Guandu. Okay. And near it, you have Governador Barada, more or less, and the same latitude, you know? So yep. it's a. Uh, yep. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And so when he did that whole trip, 14 days, was he? did he have a lot of land or ground support, or was he trying to be pretty self sufficient? Or let me ask that a different way. Are there lots of little towns and villages where you can get? Uh, you know, plenty of food and water, and so you don't have to carry that much. Or are you really quite remote, and you have to be pretty self-sufficient? No, indeed. In this adventure, Lucas had support from his wife, uh, Michelle. Okay. He's also a pilot, and they passed through a lot of small villages, and they didn't they didn't propose to be full bivouacative. So they spent some nights in the hole. Okay. That, that was the, their challenge. The challenge was to cross. Uh, all the distance just flying and, and hiking, but they could stay in the small cities, etc. That's a, so that's what their, their, their specific challenge. But we had other adventures here in Brazil. Uh, for example, we have a big trail around 60, 60 uh, 600 kilometers. And, and we made part of it around 400 kilometers, just walking and uh, bivouacking. Uh, it's called Transmantiqueira. It's near on big mountains in Brazil, in between Minas, São Paulo, and Espírito Santo. Those mountains have around 2,400, 2,700 uh, high. And you, same adventure. You can connect the peaks, taking off, and you will be able to find small cities. But you have to have food for at least two days because you can land in a really jungle zone, in a really uh, wild zone, and it's important to have something to, to eat for sure. For, for the listeners who are hearing you and getting excited about coming to Brazil but that haven't flown there, what are the main differences or what would you need to be aware of between doing a bivy trip, say, if you've done one in the Alps? Where, you know, logistics are really easy and there's, you know, there's, you can hike or not hike because there's, there's lifts and cable cars and to, mm-hmm. to every launch, um, you know, there's good access to weather and cell. Uh, how, what's, what's different about Brazil in terms of how mm-hmm. you would prepare, you know, in other words, could I just come to mm-hmm. Sao Paulo and meet you and have my kind of typical bivy kit and, mm-hmm. and figure it out? Or is it, is it really require quite a bit more planning? No, it's a really, really fair and good question. I got, uh, uh, I answered the same for some friends who had more experience flying in Alps than me. I have just some, uh, a few uh, small experience flying over there. Uh, what I can say in what I read in your books and the books about that, but uh, so the main difference is on hiking, it's uh, here you, Regarding your kit, you can have the same kit, okay? You can have a small tent. Probably we will find some uh, rain. So it's important to be prepared for some rain. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, 
but we we don't need to have so so warming clothes. So it's warm here. Even mm -hmm. flying, you will reach three thousand meters from level sea. So it's not so cold as it is in, in Europe. So we can hike uh, with a light lightness, light light heavy. And, but you have to pay attention in other in other stuff. The hiking here probably to be more or less wet. It's humid. But you will see you hiking in the jungle, probably in the most of the place you have a jungle, you see butterflies, tucanos, a lot of birds. It's a lot of more life than hiking in the Alps. That I can mm. I can say for sure. And some snakes, it's important to be aware about the snakes and try to pay attention about that. Mm -hmm. And uh And so the, regarding the hiking, it will be, it will be really fun to, to hiking here, amazing places to see, but a lot of nature, a lot of nature, sometimes some animals. On the taking, from the takeoff side, the, our takeoffs are more abrasive. The rock is abrasive. It's very important to take care of Sharp. the lines. Yeah. Sharp, yes, thank you. Uh, sometimes the grass is high and uh, it's everything is more a little bit wild it's important to, to be aware to be tough uh, for you to be easy right <laughs> <laughs> like a warm alaska <laughs> <laughs> really for you i have impression you don't need to change anything but just give an overview to, to the pilots and this the pilots believe then regarding flying uh, we our conditions are most of the time are not so strong because we are below that that part from in northeast brazil when the guys beat the records the condition is really strong and the wind is strongest uh, ever sure. in our region the, the, the wind is not so strong and the condition is more moderate uh, and when the guys flying here from alps sometimes they get uh, worried about the wind they they feel on the takeoff because it's, it's different from Alps. But you don't need to care too much about that because we don't have valley winds. So mm. most of the times the wind is stronger on the takeoff than in the landing zone. Oh, okay. So so that, that, that wind is good to take off easily, to take care about the lines, do a, a really nice takeoff. Uh, it's good to have that wind. So it's good to have that in mind. But from the general point of view, a guy coming from Europe to do a bivouac, uh, you don't need so many clothes. You find a lot of water. Most of the mountains will have a water because the the, the the jungle around it, and it will be warmer. Also, the the people living when you land it, you will still a picturesque. You still a, a different kind of. So they will come to you. They will compliment you. They say, "Oh, I come from where? What is this? How it works?" Etc. Warm people. If you learn. Beatrice, Beatrice Pourreau is the name of my colleague that is living in, in Switzerland and she comes to have a, a, bivouac, a bivouac trip with us, a real, a real friend. And she landed in a, a barbecue place. So she ate a lot. She drank beer a lot. <laughs> the guys just embraced her. Come on, where are you from? Come on. Oh, the people are so her. nice in Brazil. Yeah. yeah. That, that you notice for sure the, the difference. Those are the main differences. You can, you can, you find here, uh, and yes, probably you eat for free. If you land in a, we had guys landing in the marriage places and these marriage parties and they participate in the party, this kind of, you still, uh, picturesque, a different kind of person. It's not so common to see paraglider landing in these different places here. Mm -hmm. We don't have so many pilots. Tell me about, you know, the, 
when I first, my first couple trips to Brazil were sailing oriented. I, I sailed up the coast and past Recife and up to the Caribbean. I did a, a solo trip up there a bunch of years ago. And this was before amazing. I started flying. This was amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a long, long time ago though, but it was, mm-hmm. I started it. Uh, we, I started near Santos or in mm-hmm. Santos. Mm-hmm. So near Sao Paulo. Yep. And then, and it, at least in the ports along the coast, you know, security was a pretty big issue then. It was, you know, um, mm-hmm. a lot of it was didn't feel very safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you hear that a lot from some of the Brazilian pilots when I'm when I'm traveling in other places. They always talk about that certain areas are are not not very safe. But mm-hmm. I've never experienced, you know, in the Sertal, you didn't have to worry about that. It didn't felt like to me at all. Mm-hmm. I, I, my experiences were just like what you're describing, just mm-hmm. incredibly friendly people in these little villages. And, mm-hmm. you know, but that Sertal isn't really near any big population centers. But tell me about the security yep. of going through these areas. Is that a big deal? Do you have to worry about it or do you just have to be kind of kind of be smart? It's a really, really fair question. Uh, and yes, the security is a problem in our country, most related with the big cities. But of mm-hmm. course, we have since we have poor, really poor people. We have a distribution, rather income distribution, one of the worst in the world. So you have people trying to do your way to find your own stuff. I'm not not justifying, just telling that it's an unsafe country regarding uh, security. Yes, uh, in this small village, it's important to pay attention. But most of the guy, uh, we don't have a high. Uh, we don't have that kind of common guys being stolen or being uh, under danger in this small village. We mm-hmm. have to pay a lot of attention when we are still in the airport or leaving the big cities to go to the this small place. Of course, it, uh, we. But I have to agree that we pay a lot of more attention to that than uh, someone living or doing bivouac trips in, in Europe. And if I was with doing it with a, a girl, I should be a double attention because yeah. it's different kind of um, danger. And if I was a girl doing that alone, I probably am going to try to have someone with me from a male guy. If you are a big guy as you, etc., it's easier to manage this kind of, of risk. But we don't have mention of people being stolen in this kind of uh, adventure. Most of the time, okay. you you get yeah, don't, really don't really don't. But it's important to be aware in the big cities. Tell me about the season. When when would to be the best time to come because I know there's good flying in Brazil year round, but what would be, mm-hmm. what's the best time to come? Yep. And, and actually what, mm-hmm. what area would you focus on? You know, so for, for me, if I was just going to mm-hmm. get on a plane and come down there and do some bivy, what would be the area of the country that you would focus, you know, that you mm-hmm. would point me to and, mm-hmm. and what time of year? And the amazing question. Uh, I would like to say Serra da Mantiqueira, that's the hill, uh, a, a lot of mountains near Sao Paulo, Rio, and Minas Gerais, because it's my preferred place. But it's not okay. the best place to do BV trips. It's one off, but it's really challenging, a lot of rent, uh, even an entire year, so, uh, and hard to take off, hard to connect the takeoffs. The best okay. place for BV trips today, maybe we can discover other places in the following years, but still uh, Espírito Santo. And okay. you can do it in uh, in the, the regarding the time zone. The best uh, the best time is in the between April and June. Let's say in June it's our, our 
it's winter, so the conditions will be really soft. So it will be hard to do long flights. And if you came in January or December, February, the conditions are really hot, but you have a lot of rain at the afternoons. The the ah, the, the clouds will be every day. Yeah, and the the development is really quicker here than in, in Europe. The clouds they, they really develop really really fast. Sometimes you can get some in some traps. So between April, maybe March, if you, for experienced guys, March and uh, before May could be March and June could be uh, the best option. Also in October, November, it's good as well because we are in the, after the winter, we are coming back to the summer. So it could be nice as well. There's so many, you know, paragliding is really big in Brazil and it, there's so many really good pilots what do you chalk that up to? Is that is that the community pushing everyone, or you know, is it is it just because there's 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 such a great vibe in Brazil with flying, or is it the the place and the conditions? You know, is it? I always think of the UK. Mm-hmm. They, they won the worlds this year. They don't have great flying in the UK. It's mm-hmm. it's pretty challenging. There's a lot of rain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but they get really good because they can fly in those conditions that are pretty average or mm-hmm. low average even you know they get really good at, at flying in really light conditions when there's just tiny bits of lift and you know they they create historically they have created very well-rounded pilots mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's something i see in brazil that there's just uh, mm. i think what do you chalk that up to yeah but it's 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 hard to answer that and i came to paraglide in 2014 so i'm still learning uh, how it is this stuff but what we can see is well, uh, in most in the cross country pilots, they they are really competitive pilots, and in Brazil there is some kind of feeling. That's my opinion, right? I'm not in space, but I could say give some examples. But we as Brazilian, they always, we are really competitive, and we want to be the best in the in that stuff. Not the best in the entire world. That's impossible. The best in your group. Uh, let, let's say about wine. If you are a wine, someone who is drink wine in Brazil, the best, the most sold wine, most than 60, 70% is the strongest one. So no one, no one <laughs> spend time with the, the other kind or other nuance of different. No, it's the strongest one. So if you are going to fly paragliding, probably they will, they will try to evaluate regarding the classes in the paragliding. They will jump from one to the other as soon as possible. And they try to reach the distance. So if the game is the cross country and distance, you try to do the best, the distance, the longest flight ever, <laughs> every day. And you go to the to the places where you will be able to do that and etc. And I have to make my flight in Kishada because it's a bigger, the most famous place to do distance and this kind of. And so that's part of our culture to do the best, to push the best, to try. It's more relatively competitive. Of course, mm-hmm. not everyone is like that. I'm just doing some stereotypes, archetypes. But uh, here in our community for hiking fly, we try to avoid that kind of competition. We try to still enjoy the just hike and do a, a flush fly to, to the ground. Really, yeah. And yeah. that's uh, uh, so we try to keep the flying pleasure as the most important thing, and we I think we can reach that uh, in some in some level. 
For example, most of the team doing hiking flying in Brazil, they still fly in the big hot uh, winds. Most of them don't move to ahead because they, we get afraid about some hard takeoffs or hard landing place. So we try to keep, keep it more or less safe. And we could do, we can do good flights, 50 kilometers, 60 kilometers. We around see it as a really amazing, a, a good flight. Maybe we can change that mindset in the near future, but we try to do this balance between uh, risk and performance. But, uh, but I think Brazil, uh, uh, produce good pilots because that competitivity in the pilots in the, each small group has yeah, his own competitive and these guys try to do their best. We really enjoy to do mm. the best. It's, it's, it's uh, some kind I can see over here. I, I said about wine, but that could apply in a lot of other stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just part, it's just the culture. Yes. I, more didn't, or less. I didn't really know that about Brazilians. I guess yeah. it makes sense. It, 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 it's, it's not fair to say that as a generic stuff, but we can see that in the guys because everyone pilot in a paraglider, it's already someone with uh, uh, not pretty weird. Yeah, pretty weird. Yeah, <laughs> we're, all, we're all odd ducks, yeah, for oh. sure. The, um, how, how many, just out of curiosity, do you know how many pilots there are in Brazil? And I know that how do you define a pilot? Is that one flight a year? But do you know how many registered your organization mm-hmm. that? The, the, what's the, that? In, we have an country organization, a federal organization. It's association from the pilots. It's called CBVL. I don't there know how yeah. many of them are active. I can say from our local from our local club. We have a local club here in Atibaia. We have around uh, three hundred pilots uh, wow. playing and, and uh, flying in here near Atibaia. But, but we are really near São Paulo. We are the most near place to fly in Sao Paulo. So we have a, a big number of guys because they, yeah. but in Brazil, it's hard to say, Gavin, I, I should avoid to give you that number because probably it should be a wrong one, but I can say we are not a real, a real a big market for paragliding, for paraglider in the world that I can say for, for sure. And the, a good a good thing is that we have South Paragliders here. The the companies and in Paraglider they are producing the South Brazil, and that is stimulates a lot the the e-sport in Brazil. Probably if we didn't have if we didn't have the South Paragliders, it should be even even less uh, pilots number of the pilots. But uh, it's hard to estimate. Maybe five thousand pilots. Maybe maybe ten thousand. I I I I cannot say honestly. Sorry. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's that sounds probably pretty similar to the states. And we mm-hmm. we do do you feel like it's growing? Do you feel like paragliding is becoming more popular? You know, and, uh, the numbers increasing, or does it stay? Because here in the states, it's it it doesn't. It stays mm-hmm. kind of the same. You know, we're, there's lots of people learning, but then lots of people quitting. Yeah. So the 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 overall number stays pretty pretty same year after year what i can say is the hiking and fly is taking a lot of attention because when we are in fighting play flying flying takeoffs that they they most a lot of people pay a lot of a lot of pilots they really enjoy to see the small pack paraglider the light paraglider so they really get we still have those guys flying with really heavy equipment a lot of uh, of us are flying with those so the hiking fly, it's in, it's uh, growing between the pilots, and also we are taking attention from climbers and people doing hiking and trackers. They're moving to paragliding because today it's easy to to fly a paraglider. Let's say if you're not going to do 
traverse, etc. It's it's not so complicated. The equipment is already more secure than 20 years ago. That's what I mean. It's more easy to join the sport today than 20 years ago. It was a lot more dangerous from our point of view. But the sport itself, uh, it's hard to say if the number is increasing. We don't have really trustable statistics in in, in Brazil. Mm. Even the association, some guys don't like the association that much. Other ones, they love the association. And uh, the number, if you are associated also, you name you will be there, but you can be a not active pilot anymore. Leandro, tell me about, you know, with hike and fly, when I first got into Bivy, this is a long time ago, we used to talk about that it was, you know, in, in a place like the Alps, you don't have to make it hard. In, in other words, you can land in the valley, you know, you don't have to top land. You don't have to do a lot of the things that are sometimes required in what I would call more of a kind of sexy bivy where you're, you're never, you know, you only have the initial hike to the top and then you stay high and you pick a time in the day before it's really died off and you can, you know, stick it in in some tiny little place and camp there and, and basically stay high for the duration of the trip. But that requires quite a bit more skill because top landings, of course, more risky and, and harder to do. Um, when you said there's a school there near where you are and there's a kind of a big push or, you know, it's pretty welcoming to get into Bivy. How, what is your, what are you guys telling the newer people? How do you, how do, how do people, how should people start flying Bivy? Mm-hmm. Mm, we, uh, we, today for the students, the hiking fly or bivouac trips, they are more for three days only, most of the time, three days only. And they, most of them hiking up at the more, uh, at the afternoon or at the morning, they spend the day on the, uh, the mountain, let's say, and they pass the night. No, sorry, let's say the, the classical one, they hiking up at the afternoon. So they spend the night on the mountain mm-hmm. in the takeoff, they be there after they, took off at the morning, most of them uh, around 10 a.m., 9 a.m., before the strong conditions, so they can land in the valley, not an European valley, we call it valley, but it's more flat land, and land over there, they pack everything, and they, they go to the next mountain, they eat something, sometimes they eat on the city, sometimes they eat what they have, and we go to the next mountain. That's the classical big trip for the students. So in the so they don't try to do uh, landing in the takeoff, uh, top landing. They don't do top landing. And if the conditions are strong, they don't go. Sometimes they don't go. But most of them are really good pilots. But they are starting on the BV. So they can manage that. Mm. When we are doing, when we are doing the, or, or let's say hardcore, or when we are trying to explore a new place, when uh, so it's a few pilots, three, sometimes four, and then that conditions we set a line of possible takeoffs for the next day. Sometimes they are good, sometimes they are not that good, and we try to do top landing. Mm. We 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 really. Uh, try sometimes we can do it sometimes we don't and most of the time you have to hike the next day mm. because uh, the the to do a top landing in these kind of mountains you have to have a high base 
we don't have mid mid zone land, top landing. Okay. Are you so landing the top? Or are you landing the valley? Okay. And sometimes, so you have to have a high base. You have to climb a lot. You have to to manage to do. We did it really amazing top landings already, and we already flush. Just fall down amazingly, miserably uh, sometimes, and have to hike. most of the time you have to hike again in the next day. Okay, that's the common stuff. And we try to do part of the hiking at the beginning of the night, so we camp in. Uh, Let's say one third of the the way we already did yesterday night, so we can be already far away from the small village, so we know smaller risk. We don't need to be. We avoid to be in the train stations or in the in the city itself mm -hmm. most of the time. So we try to find another place, a grass place, and we land. We we camp there and we finish the hiking the next day. Are you typically going south to north? That's just what I have in my mind because you're down in Sao Paulo. But mm -hmm. or is it north to south, east to west? What, what's the kind of typical line? Or is, are you mostly trying to do out and backs? So, you know, would you start near where you are and go north a couple mm -hmm. days and then back south? Or what? What's kind of the predominant well, wind? Nice. We have a predominant wind northeast, northeast wind here in Brazil. Okay. And most of these mountains, even in, in Espírito Santo and Rio de Janeiro, and also between Rio de Janeiro and São Paulo, they, they, you, you can fly with northeast uh, wind. Okay. And we already tried to do heading with, head, heading with from the southwest to northeast, mm -hmm. and sometimes from northeast to but a good line here could be we began in the mountains. In these mountains and around, uh, you have, let's say, it's sea, sea level. You have a, a uphill until a plateau. And after that, another uphill to the, are these mountains we are talking about, Serra da Mantiqueira, for example. And we try to begin in the middle of the mountains and reach the ocean, that reach the ocean. So we are flying to east. Not sure if my my but, <laughs> but you're playing to it, and it, it, so we begin in the high, and we can try different peaks. After that, we we jump from the high place to a smaller one. We fly in this zone, and after that, we can fly to the to the beach. It's not easy, but it's amazing. It's not easy because again, because the trees, because we just have a few uh, taking off zones. But one of our most amazing uh, hiking flight peaks was in this way. So we did, me and my friend, we did 150 kilometers uh, flying and we walked around less than 10 kilometers mm. because we were able to do a top, a top landing. But two guys from the group, they did in two days. So they flew around 60 in the first day and in the second day, uh, almost 90 and they could reach the, the ocean. Mm, that'd be special. Uh, have some fish. That's uh, always special. And most of the time when you reach the ocean, you have that uh, clouds, low clouds, because the ocean is 800 meters below than the, the let's say, the, the terrain when we began. So we have the clouds are below you. So you reach uh, sometimes 700 meters above those clouds. And you have to go down. You have wow. that. Wow. Flu, it's really, really amazing. I can share some images with you. It's, it's amazing. And for experienced pilots, it's not that hard. It's hard to us because we are mid, mid, mid experience. But it's, uh, it should be amazing. But that kind of venture, many guys in Brazil don't do this. Many pilots don't try this. That's why it's important to, to have a website showing the 
routes, showing the easiest route, how you can begin. It's it's good. So your it's, website has all this kind of information, so listeners could get on there and and kind of do some study beforehand before coming. Yes, but it's uh, always the new stuff is always a little bit outdated sure. because I'm not able to update it uh, as we are doing. But yes, there is a lot of information over there, the routes to, to hike up, etc. But you still need a lot of uh, help on this. Mm. We have just a few a few tracks over there. A lot of more work should be done to, to fill that. It's more like a collaboration from other pilots. We have pilots in South doing hiking, flying, this kind of adventure in South, in Owis, etc. And some of them are sending the tracks to the website and we try to keep that. But someday we expect to have a lot more, a lot more uh, tracks or routes over there, easy to guys to follow, and we still need to put it in English as well. That's mm. our, our fault. What uh, mm. what apps are you using for mapping and topography and roads and that kind of thing? And then what briefly lay out your your kind of typical instrument package? Mm. Are you just flying with no. a phone and your and a and a fly sky high? I mean, sorry, and an app like fly sky high and then a mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know a small vario is that kind of it? We we try to keep we each one has their own variometer. Some of them have maps, others no, others don't have maps. But we, what we do is we use a lot of Google Earth, yeah. even it's uh, it's it's easy to use Google Maps as well. Uh, we are, have been using Fat Maps. Yeah, it's one good with a good good to find trails. Yes, and some guys have specific uh, apps in the mobile phone for flying. I don't use those. I use the, just the variometer because I already know more or less the, the mountains and the lines. I have that in mind. But for someone coming new, they could take advantage of those you 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 said or Google Earth. It works good as well here in Brazil it, because you can download the offline maps. Is the is the cell coverage pretty good? Are you guys able to you know create a Telegram group or something to stay in touch with one another, or are you mostly relying on inReach? Uh, we are relying on uh, regarding you mean regarding the one pilot to speak in with her. Do we have WhatsApp groups? Okay. Well, we we contact more in WhatsApp groups. My the guys are really collaborative and and that way, and uh, everyone loves to share their routes, etc. We don't compete to do the best one. Instead, most of the time, when someone starts some kind of adventure, the others provide a lot of support, providing info, giving in tips regarding. Uh, we didn't spoke about that, but regarding the landing zones. We don't have those kind of cables coming down from the mountain to the valley. Mm. Those ones who took the Tel the Bleak and the other guys in the exop really risk ones. We don't have this kind of, but we have small cables in the landing zones near the routes and the streets. So we yeah. have to pay a lot of attention to those 20, 10 meters uh, small cables. Uh, we already have some accidents on, on that. Sure. In the valleys, yeah. So they share this kind of information. Pay, pay attention on these, or you can land over there, or better than that. Oh, you know, there is a trail that you can use to hike up again to that mountain if you land in the north, in the north face. Sometimes, sometimes, because we don't, we are not so structured regarding where are the trails. It's it's uh, it's important to if you're coming, it's good to have contact with someone. We will be happy to 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 support, to help, to give a lot of info. But between the guys here, it's a, lot, it's a collaborative. The guys are really nice. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but there was, uh, and I wish I, it has a cool name. I forget the name of this, but for years, mm-hmm. and I don't know if they're still doing it, but for years there was a hang gliding 
they would you know cross big chunks of Brazil with hang gliders, and so they it was kind of a bivy, but with hang gliders. So obviously they weren't carrying their stuff up to launch. It was you know supported by trucks or mm-hmm. cars, but they would cover a lot of ground. It was it went on for a um, long time. Are they still doing that? Yeah, there, there are some initiatives like that. We have a, a big event in Northeast. I don't remember exactly the name right now, unfortunately, but it was something like crossing the Sertão, crossing the, the wild zone. Mm. And there were guys with hang glider, paragliding, also some guys with a paramotor, you know, a paraglider with motor. And they were covering a, a huge distance doing an event with cars supporting them. It was really amazing and uh, with a lot of uh, sponsorship and brands involved yeah. with that I, I will remember the name until the end from, but that's uh, up in the northeast Com- that's kind of up in, in the, the south. okay okay yeah. so totally different and, thing. Uh, and uh, really different in our in our zone we we don't have the, this kind of most of the adventures are being doing by paragliding because the mountains are hard to reach most of uh, these mountains are hard to eat uh, with a car. They don't have trails over there. Mm. You need. Uh, they don't have a road over there. It's, you have to do it with a paraglider. No, no way to do it with hand gliding. Okay. Okay. What What do you think the What do you think the most aggressive objective could be? What, what Where could you start and where could you end potentially? You know, is there is there a string of mountains? I should have looked closer at the maps before we got on the phone mm-hmm. here, but uh, is there, is there a straight, like a chain of mountains, you know, the Alaska range or the Rockies or, you know, that you could start at one tip and get to the other tip, you know, a thousand yes. kilometers away or something. Uh, yes. One of those challenges is too open because it was done partially only by a, a colleague called Fabio Ferreira. He did part of this, but we just, uh, the Brazilian trails community, they, they just launched, they just started a, a biggest, one of the biggest trails in Brazil. It's called Transmantiqueira. So you will, begin, you will begin here near Sao Paulo, 200 kilometers from Sao Paulo. The trail has 900 kilometers, the total trail. You need to pass through the biggest peaks, some of the biggest peaks in Brazil, because you have Pedra da Mina to 1,700 meters and it's in the middle of this trail and we have several uh, possible takeoff points in this trail and it will finish beyond Rio de Janeiro uh, above it and you will pass through the one of the biggest or most important uh, mountains in Brazil mm-hmm. because we have f- from 10 peaks the 10 highest peaks in Brazil Nine of them uh, are in this in this hill. In that chain. Yeah, yeah, in that chain. And you can try to connect. And no one did it uh, fully yet. Uh, but it, it is still a challenge. Fabio did uh, most than half. He did uh, more than, I don't remember the exact number, more, almost five, 500 kilometers. But he could not complete the entire zone because the... Conditions changed, and so we had hand, so rain, so it was hard. Hmm. And that's one of the, one of the big, one big, big challenge. But to have other ones in the spirit of Santo, as Lucas did, etc. That's always nice. Did, is that not been done because it's just really hard, you know, to to get the right conditions to pull it off? You know, there's just too much jungle, too much, or 
or is it just because not enough people have tried? Both of them, both of them. It's not okay. easy, even for a ex, uh, really high experience, uh, say pilot, it could be challenging because they taking off are just a few and you have to connect them. But in the conditions, uh, you have to be here ready for the conditions. Mm. You can have a one week, full week of good weather. It doesn't happen every month. So you have to be here and try and, and have some lucky to, to accomplish. I, I think both of them. Mm. But, uh, but the view is amazing and adventure, it, it's worth for sure. We will be trying that for our entire lives to, <laughs> to necessary to, <laughs> to accomplish. <laughs> yeah, to but sounds some exciting. Reinforcement will be, some reinforcement will be welcome. Gavin. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just, uh, I'm so glad you reached out because I, it's, it just hasn't been something at all on my radar. You know, obviously I've known that the flying in Brazil is incredible since I got into this sport. Cause there's, like I said, there's so many great Brazilian pilots and you just, you hear about it all the time and it's mm-hmm. very reliable to have comps there. And, uh, and then of course the, the, the famousness of, of the Sertau, but I hadn't thought about Bibby that much there, and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. It's a, it. I'm, I applaud you, you and your group, and all your colleagues to that you mm-hmm. set. You're you're chasing it and making it happen. And thanks for sharing your story with us. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, mm-hmm. next time I come down there, I'm coming down with my Bibby kit. No, please, you will be welcome, and you will be good to have a, a opinion from the guys from outside. Most of the time we are doing just with Brazilians who had now the visit from Beatrice. He's from Switzerland, as I said. But it's not, we had Andy over here, but he didn't come join us in this kind of adventure. But uh, it would be good to have opinion from guys from outside to improve our own levels, to, to, to learn a lot with you guys, experienced guys. And we, of course, will be able to share something that we know from here, the region, etc. what we already did. Leonor, we've talked quite a bit about Bivy, but you you sent me an email about the some kind of cool the highest peak in Brazil. That tell me about that. Oh, it, it was a really uh, an amazing adventure because the highest peak in Brazil is in the, in the middle of a jungle, the Amazon jungle, really north north of Brazil, almost two thousand kilometers from Manaus, that is the biggest center in the north uh, on the country. And the adventure over there, over there is the peak has almost 3,000 meters. And to reach there, you have to press to Yanomami, the indigenous Yanomami guys. Yeah. So they are the guides for this trail. You cannot reach that place alone or you can be killed by them by sure. because they, they control the zone. But they are really friendly if you come with them. Of course, they are developing. A, it's important to say that they are developing an eco-tourism program so in the following years if anyone will be able to reach this peak because they will have a company leading guys over there but to reach this peak you have to go one day flying one day with a car or another day in the ship and small ship those fishing ships really small and four days walking in the jungle Whoa. So it's a lot of venture, a lot of effort to reach there. You have, and these guys, the Yanomami, they were rich in 60s. So they are already more or less occidental, occidental person, but they are still speaking in their idiom. They don't speak even Portuguese very well. So you still have an indigenous experience. They cook uh, for you. They're 
looking for animals in the jungle to hunt them. It's, it's interesting to see. And you move from the jungle to a plateau at 2,000 two meters. Uh, so you change a lot of regarding the, the climate. You pass from a really humid jungle to a place more dry and uh, colder. And after that, you do a final step climbing to the peak around uh, 2,993. And no one flew from Triglider from there until 2019. Sorry for my English. And I had the opportunity to take off from there in January 2019 do a, a fly over the jungle because you have to fly to east. So you just take off around 3,000 3, meters, uh, let's say, difference from takeoff from the jungle. Oh, nice. So uh, 10,000 feet foot glide. Man, but you don't go to the jungle because there is no place to land in the jungle. Sure. So you have to contour the mountain and land behind it. Uh, in the plateau because you have a plateau behind the, the mountain so it was a really amazing because you look to each every, all sides and you see just jungles and jungles and you feel really ex, uh, the exposure you are exposed right you cannot do mistakes the landing the takeoff place it's not that it's short but it's enough and so one guy spent 10 days over there uh, I have to thank God for this kind of, I don't know if I have a reason, that doesn't matter, but I have to thank God because one guy spent 10 days in the peak trying to fly in 2010 and he had no chance. It's wow. always covered by, covered by rain or clouds. It's impossible to take off because you have to see. And I really, I got really like, uh, blessed, let's say, because I climbed it yesterday afternoon. We spent one night in a rain, really strong rain, but at the afternoon, everything was clear. And just, uh, 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 let's say, uh, a perfect wind to take off. So it was, if you was, was it there, thermic at all? Was, were, do you get, no, was it I did, thermic? I, I did, I did, a, I took off around 7 a.m. between oh, 6 okay. and 7 because it was too risky to try a thermal flight. I, I have no balls to that. And <laughs> <laughs> I just about to take off and do the, uh, a morning fly and it was amazing. So when I landed behind the mountain, the guys is speaking because they recorded it, the guys is speaking in their language. It was amazing. In the radio, the Indians, the Yanomami talking the radio, oh, you need to rescue that guy because he's in the middle of there. If you don't go there, no one will be able to to hang I should be there until today. <laughs> so the guys came and, and helped me to to, to get out. It was really, really nice. If we get back to there, we need to go with a tending, gliding to bring some Yanomamis to their own village. It's possible to fly from the peak to their village. And it could be a really, really amazing thing to do. Oh man, you blow their mind. That would be, <laughs> that, so, be so awesome. Yeah. I, I had a really special experience decades ago in the in the Amazon. I've been through a lot of these places you're you're talking about Manaus and stuff, but the uh the I spent a few days in the jungle with a, a local who had grown up in the jungle. He wasn't Yanomami, but I don't remember what tribe, uh-huh. but mm-hmm. it's amazing to see the jungle through their eyes. Because when you, when you, when you, for those who haven't been in the, in the Amazon in the jungle, you you hear everything. The the sounds day and night are just mm-hmm. it's a cacophony of 
beautiful sound. It's just amazing, right? But you don't see any of the stuff. You, you know, uh-huh. to, to see the sloths <laughs> and the monkeys and the lizards and the snakes and everything, you have to have lived in the jungle or be with a guide who can go watch this. And then they make exactly. they make all these sounds and they know how to talk to all the the animals yeah. in, in the forest. And it's really a very special experience to 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 be in the Amazon with someone who's grown up there because it's a, yeah. it's their, it's their place. They understand it. They know what they're looking at. Cause we just yeah. see this beautiful canopy and it's, it's mm-hmm. hard to, at least for me, it was, I remember, you know, you don't, you don't see any of that stuff until mm-hmm. you can see it through their eyes and they Correct. can point it all out. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's for me, it's impossible uh, either. It's impossible to see. We need to have their help to enjoy the jungle. We look and you see a lot of, uh, trees, etc., and the small grass, uh, and and our bulls, they they know it. They name they they name tree. This word tree is not uh, there. Uh, they don't have this word as a common. Sure. They have the name of each. If uh, uh, the generic one doesn't make much sense for for them, and right? I, I feel I feel the same experience. We are born in the cities. We are uh, unable to to really deal with that that environment. And I also agree with you the. Highest experience regarding this takeoff from the highest peak here in Brazil was not the flight. The flight was amazing. I'm really glad. But it was the experience with the guys in the jungle. Yeah, I completely yeah. follow you on this. I completely agree with you on this. I'm sure. And I'm sure that was really special. Leandro, thank you, man. I appreciate it. And uh, happy flights, safe landings, and, and uh, keep having fun. If you find the cloud-based mayhem valuable, you can support it in a lot of different ways. You can give us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher, or however you get your podcast. That goes a long ways and helps spread the word. You can blog about it on your own website or share it on social media. You can talk about it on the way up to launch with your pilot friends. I know a lot of interesting conversations have happened that way. And of course, you can support us financially. This show does take a lot of time, a lot of editing lot of storage and music and all kinds of behind the scenes cost so if you can support us financially all we've ever asked for is a buck a show and you can do that through a one-time donation through paypal or you can set up a subscription service that charges you for each show that comes out we put a new show out every two weeks so for example if you did a buck a show and every two weeks it'd be about 25 dollars a year so way cheaper than a magazine subscription and it makes all of this possible. Uh, I do not want to fund this show with advertising or sponsors. We get asked about that uh, pretty frequently, but I, for a whole bunch of different reasons, which I've said many times on the show, I don't want to do that. I don't like having that stuff at the front of the show. And I also want you to know that these are authentic conversations with real people, and these are just our opinions, but our opinions are not being skewed by sponsors or advertising dollars. I think that's a pretty toxic business model. So I hope you dig that. Um, you can support us. If you go to cloudbasedmayhem.com, you can find the places to support. You can do it through patreon.com forward slash cloudbasedmayhem. If you want a recurring subscription, you can also do that directly through the website. Uh, we've tried to make it really easy, and that will give you access to all the bonus material, little video casts that we do and extra little uh, nuggets that we find in conversations that don't make it into the main show, but we feel like you should hear we don't put any of that behind a paywall. If you can't afford to support us, then just let me know and I'll set you up with an account. Of course, that'll be lifetime. And hopefully in a, you're being in a position someday to be able to support us. But you'll find all that on the website. Uh, all of you who have supported us or even joined our newsletter or bought Cloud-Based Mayhem merchandise, t-shirts or hats or anything, you should be all set up. You should have an account. And you should be able to access all that bonus material now. 
Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your support. And we'll see you on the next show. Thank you.